Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to season four of Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran. I now have a very special guest on the show, and uh, you might think it's going to be some glamorous celebrity. She's glamorous, all right, but she's not a celebrity. She's my beautiful mother, Aideen. You might recognize her from all the times that I mortify her on my Instagram. (laughs) She's here with me now, and I had so many requests to have her on the series to hear from her perspective how it was um, having me go through what I went through with anxiety and how a parent might be better able to support their child through anxiety or their teenager or their 20 something year old or their 30 something year old it never it doesn't matter what age you are when you're when you're a parent to a child you always have that relationship um, and especially I think it's important to talk about how people can broach the subject of anxiety with parents who maybe aren't as receptive to the subject or who maybe are a bit uncomfortable with it and so I asked my mom all these questions and she's an absolute hero and I really wouldn't be here without her and I can't thank her enough I, I'll never be able to thank her enough there's not enough boxes of roses in the world to to say thank you enough times to my beautiful mommy um, but I'm so happy that she was able to be here not just for all the nappy changes that she's done in the week that she's been here with my new baby but to be able to have this conversation with me and um, be so honest and open um, so I hope you enjoy and hope you get something out of it and I hope that if you are having a hard time trying to explain your anxiety to your parents that you can share this episode with them and they might be able to get something from it thank you so much and enjoy so I asked on Instagram if anyone had any guests that they'd like to have hear from on Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. And one of the requests that I got again and again and again was to hear from my mammy. And that's you. Okay. So thank you for joining me. Oh, pleasure. I also should say thank you for being here all week and helping me with my new baby and do changing a lot of dirty nappies and ha- handling very well an explosive punami. <laughs> I want to talk to you about my... This was my story of anxiety, but from your perspective as the parent and what that was like for you. And 
I get a lot of messages from people saying, I fully understand my anxiety myself. I know that it's anxiety. I've, I've identified it. I've labeled it. I know what I have to do. But one of the biggest roadblocks is my parents or my family don't get it and they don't understand and they just think I should just snap out of it. And it's really upsetting me because I can't talk to them about it and they think it's just loaded bollocks or whatever. Um, what can I do? And I never know what to say to these people because I was always so fortunate to have parents who were willing to be educated around mental health and you know you didn't start off knowing and neither did I we neither none of us started off having any awareness of it mm-hmm. um but that you were you know present and supportive and you were you never once just said oh don't be ridiculous or don't be silly and I just think such a driver of anxiety in and of itself is when people are met with that response especially from the people they care about most mm-hmm. so I suppose the first thing I want to ask you is what would you say to someone who is where I was and trying to figure out how to articulate it to their parents. Mm-hmm. What Do you think there's a way that you can bring it up that would make a parent not just think they just need to get over it and get on with it? Yeah, I I hate that phrase, actually, get over it. It's, it's a massive thing to say to somebody. What are you asking them to get over anyway? You know, it's not like turning the page of a book. It's their entire it's their sense of self it's the way they are dealing with the world and you know it's it they're easy words to trip off your tongue but they're they're horrible to be said to to mm-hmm. be to be addressed in that way and it comes from a just i suppose a perspective of somebody who is first of all has no understanding of the situation but secondly is not showing any willingness to find out about it um, do you think it's a fear on the part of the parent as well that they don't want to tap into their own mental health? Uh, I don't know if it's if if I say it so broadly as that, but it it can possibly strike a nerve for some people. In there may have been issues within their own family circle of people who had. There's a phrase that used to be used uh, years ago, um, saying, "Oh, she suffers with her nerves." Mm. Or um, dicky tummy. It, yeah. Well, before you even get onto the physical manifestations of it, but there was I can remember being told, "Oh, such and such, she she suffers with her nerves," mm-hmm. and um, or we don't see her very often because she she has the old nerves thing going, and you know it's it was this big cloaked in mystery, as though a person almost chose to have the situation, and um, I think one of the most powerful things about learning what I've learned with you is that um, when somebody's able to say to you look there are physical things happening in your system that are giving very, rise to it giving rise to it or feeding into it or maybe triggering these these sort of um, one-way streets of, of uh, emotional turmoil I suppose and um, when you're told that there's actual physical things going on in your body that are contributing to that I think that's that's probably for me the most powerful piece of information that we gleaned over the years. Yeah. And that certainly wasn't available when you were suffering as a child with a dodgy tummy, which we of course all put down to maybe overexcitement or mm. too much sugar. <laughs> too much Coca-Cola. Too much Coca-Cola. You know, hands up. Um we know so much more now. Um but I wish I wish I had known more when you were small, mm. because um, I think if if this situation arises for a child, 
get in there as early as possible and help them to rationalize it and and normalize it normalize yeah. it and maybe deal with it with it in small little ways yeah i remember like one of my biggest fears when when i like was trying to articulate what i was feeling was that it would be met with a response of like oh jesus what's wrong with her as if you know rather than say oh that's okay you know that's normal or maybe let's that makes sense if someone reacts to you with such you had such fear and worry on your face looking at me kind of unravel then that made me more fearful because I said, oh, hang on, if my mom thinks there's something wrong here, there's obviously something very wrong. But that, your reaction to me or anyone's reaction, the same as Barry's or anyone's reaction to me who had never experienced anxiety, was coming from a place of not having any understanding or awareness of it. No, and not only not having the understanding and awareness of it, but not nobody in the professional field reaching out and saying, you know, this isn't just a little dodgy tummy. This, my let, let, Let's have a look at what's going on behind um, because you were not a you were not a nervous child. In fact, you were quite you know quite vocal, uh, which was great. I thought that was great in, in a mm. young girl. Um, but at the same time, you you complained quite often of my tummy's not well, or I'm you know. And if I knew then what I know now, I would be asking those questions, and I would certainly say to any mother of young children. Keep your eye on things like that. If, mm. if the child is presenting to you with not feeling great, mom, or, you know, do I have to go to school or, what, you know, whatever it might be, don't just say, oh, don't be silly. Especially if there's a pattern of it yeah. and it's not just a once-off. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously you're not going to ring any alarm bells if you, you know, only, if this only happens on an irregular basis. But if there seems to be a pattern mm. of things coming through, I think take stock of it and maybe just think to yourself, you know what, it looks like, you know, maybe a little bit of a dicky tummy, but this could be hiding something else that's going on inside that mm. the child may not even be aware of. But it could be the beginnings of anxiety. Yeah, and it could have, are you understanding that maybe there was a little worry or a little, I mean, insecurity there? Or yeah. I think for me, when I look back at my childhood, now obviously it's like, I obviously have like, it's, you know, perspective now. And like, maybe I'm looking back and putting a narrative on my childhood that maybe wasn't there at the time. But I feel like I can remember feeling very much craving you and craving, you know, because you, and this is not, and I always say this is not like a, this is not a slight on you, but you worked very hard and you traveled a lot for work. And dad did a lot, you know, you both worked very hard and we had minders and we had grandparents. And I remember vividly always feeling sick in Nana and granddad's house especially when Nana died and it was just granddad and I was so frightened of people saying things like oh your Nana's with you and I remember how it only ever manifested for me was I don't feel well in my tummy and the minute mm. you guys would close the door and leave and I was just left with granddad I was just like I don't feel well I don't feel well yeah. and I know I think now all I wanted was just to be with you and yeah. I remember when you I don't know what job you had where um I was probably a little bit older maybe I was still in primary school but a little bit more further on and mm-hmm. you had a half day every Wednesday mm. and you on that day were able to pick me up from school and you pick me up and we go to the shop on the way home and we get to making some lunch and that for me was the highlight of my week mm. and I don't think I ever would have said I felt sick on that day yes so I think now looking back that it, it wasn't anxiety over anything more than just I just wanted to be with you more yeah. Yeah, and I also was, you know, had a very vivid imagination and things like when people passed on, like so we had all our grandparents die at the same in the same kind of nine month period. Mm. 
oh, someone else would say, oh, it's nice that they're, you know, your nan is with you. And I was like, what? <laughs> like this, yeah. You know, and, and that's not your fault either. But yeah, I know in my mean. kind of very, very vivid imagination yeah. took that to say, yeah. hang on a second, there's a ghost in the room. Mm. There was a phase where I just slept, I had to sleep in Daniel's room for a long yeah, time when yeah. granddad died. It's sort of a, um, a note to self. If I was ever to, to go through motherhood again, it's pretty unlikely at this stage, but <laughs> I would be probably a little more careful about saying these things to a small child, a young child, because... You know, the, fer- the fertile imag- imagination uh, kicks in big time and you don't always hear back. You don't get the feedback from the child, but little things can start to worry them. Well, something that you wouldn't have been aware of, that I'm aware of now, and it's the reason why I... people. Someone asked me the other day, do you worry that you'll give your baby like all of your anxiety? And I don't because I have so much awareness and understanding and empathy and I will know, mm. I'll very clearly recognise, I hope I'll be able to recognise any kind of little presentations of anxiety in him. Mm. But what for me, what was a massive learning um, when I was trying to put the whole thing together was that when you're a child, um, your ability to store long-term memories and have quite um, visceral experiences and you know fearful experiences and store fear memories, that that's something that your brain can do long before it can develop logic and reason. Mm. So for a, for a grandparent to say, oh, don't be silly, there's no monsters under your bed. Or it's not a grandparent, and a parent to say there's no monster under your bed or go on mm. up, upstairs and do your teeth and wee-wees and, and don't be silly. <laughs> a child can be very frightened of something that's in their imagination, mm. but they haven't yet been able to say that's silly. So yeah. for me now, I think with what you now know, you would have gone back and said actually come down to my level and say okay let's just imagine the little worries and fears from her perspective mm. because she can't rationalize it mm. and I would hope that I will have that awareness now myself and then if you can get in at that level you can maybe prevent those things from setting in absolutely yeah but again yeah. that's not not anything any parent would have known back sure, then we didn't yeah. have the words yeah. didn't have yeah, the language I, I think there's a lot more awareness of listening to children now and taking them seriously because yeah, it's, oh, real, for, it's yeah. real for them yeah no totally um and I'm glad things have moved on to the point where people can get information fairly quickly. And I don't think it's a case that we're more anxious now. Maybe maybe we are because of things like social media. But I think that there would have been a lot more people. Like when, in my generation growing up in like the 90s, I'm sure there would have been lots of kids with anxiety and they just mm. never would have had that word. But they would have had tummy issues and maybe they would have had something else, some other physical manifestation. Mm, yeah. And I think in your day, there definitely was loads of anxiety. But the last thing you knew was that word or to understand it. Mm. it like you say, someone was suffering from their nerves or yeah. someone turned to the drink or, yes, you know, exactly, just yeah. they said nothing and they just yeah. put their head down. Did you ever um, hear the story of Barry's... Was it his... Uh, I think it was his granddad i need to fact check this but it was someone in barry's family who was much older and um ended up being very mentally unwell and at the time it was easier for the family apparently to have the narrative that that person had died and everyone was told that he had died and actually he had gone to be checked into like a, a mental health facility mm. and there was more shame around that yeah. it was easier to have people so then I remember like Barry's mom then finding out that actually he didn't die he was this wow. is where and like that's just shows you like that's how drilled down yeah. the stigma was Absolutely, with anything and that's yeah. not that long ago like that's only two generations, two generations ago, ago yeah. so yeah. like we're not we've that come far a long way we definitely have come a long way and I mean I'm I'm really really happy to be around in this day and age when people are first of all um, willing to come out and say 
you know, I, I have had some issues or I'm going through something or I know somebody who is or, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's out there now. And I'm so happy about that. It's one thing to have your child, like a young child, be frightened or need cuddle or, you know, be tearful and need to get, you know, under your elbow and have a little a little whinge or need a bit of a hug and a, a comforting. But it's another thing to have your daughter who's 24 going on 25 need the same thing. And that's what happened to me. Um, I suppose for everyone who's listened to the series now will know that I they'll know my story they know that I had like tummy issues and I never realized it was probably a lot to do with anxiety without me ever realizing it and then in 2014 shit really hit the fan and I had really really horrible experience of anxiety and none of us knew anything about it and it was all of that unknown and all of that fear that propelled it and self-perpetuated it Mm. but what was it like for you to have your daughter at that age suddenly be so in such desperate need of you Mm. and because you know you want I guess I assume you feel like when your child gets to that age you've done your job I suppose and that they're a well-adjusted person and for them to come kind of Mm. come back to you saying I actually can't be like I had to sleep in the same bed as you for a while in my mid-20s because I was that bad yeah what was it like for you um it was it was a huge worry um and it was the kind of worry that you didn't want to put your worry onto the person who's going through it um so you're kind of holding back trying to trying to keep a lid on it in a sense not in, not in the kind of hushing it up but we're just trying to um pour a little bit of oil on the because you don't want waters. to frighten me more precisely yeah but in at the at the back of that then i was starting to try and check things out and see where were we going to go with this and um i discovered that Going to a local family doctor in a situation like that is not necessarily going to give you the answers that you want. And um, it didn't in your case. And then um, we decided that we would start looking around ourselves. Mm. Right? We bo- you, you and I both felt... Well, I that remember that I was I was incapable of doing anything at the time, yeah. and you said I remember we were in Dingle because you brought me down there because I couldn't be alone, and Barry was gone away, and you sat down with a pen and paper and you wrote out things. We're gonna we're gonna look at this direction first, and we're gonna look down this avenue, and we're gonna yeah. try this. Yeah. And I I literally needed you to be the person to to do that yeah. because I couldn't pick myself up off the floor. You know, and it's very very it's so difficult. You're you're at that point of um, everything was closing in around you. And for me, the best thing to do is say, listen, okay, what can I do now? Um, going through the, the regular medical channels is not working. Um, however well-intentioned that might have been. But in, in your particular case, that didn't work. Now, sometimes people will have an amazing doctor who will, who will see them as in a, in a bigger situation than just reporting with kind of um one physical symptom yes exactly mm. uh but but as i say we had to start looking around and we had to take a holistic approach we did and um part of that was came about by accident because i was i was really at the end of my tether one day i went into the pharmacy near where i was working and you were in as i would say a right heap at the time you were you know this this fog had descended upon you and you were getting you were wasting away and you look, your face was white. You had no energy. You were very tearful. You were um, really in a sad place. 
uh, and very confused by it all and you weren't able to you couldn't understand why was this happening no because everything on paper looked good and what and yeah. anyone else would have said why can't you just be happy because the whole look, everything snap out got. of it again oh I hate that phrase but I have it I went into my local the pharmacy near where I was working and I had kind of started being chatty with the the dispensing pharmacist there and uh, we would pass you know time of day and um, then a conversation would, would start and she would be telling me stuff and when it was quiet and then this particular day when I was really really um, feeling like God what are we going to do we just have to do something about this and some something that she said to me um, I actually tears started slipping down my face and she just said come on come with me and we went into this little side room which they used for little confidential consultations with, with their patients or their customers. And I, I basically, I blubbed and I told her where we were at at the time. And she told me that she had come through a situation similar to that herself in some, in the, in the recent past. And she told me that um, one of the first things that she found helpful was uh, going to somebody that, who's called um, a functional medicine doctor. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd never heard the phrase before. And she explained that going to see this person gave her complete clarity on how her body was functioning and or misfunctioning, if that's the word. So she explained a little bit more about it. She said, um, this particular area of medicine is not generally practiced in Ireland. It was very new and there were only one or two people in Ireland actually uh, offering this service. So she gave me uh, some contacts and uh, went about finding out a little bit more. And we got an appointment with one of these people, one of the very, very few people. And Dr. Fanula McHale. Yes, who was practicing up in um, Suffolk Street at the time. Now, it took a while to get the appointment, needless to say. But it was like this great big secret that some people knew about, but that wasn't available through the normal channels so we got the appointment for you we read up a little bit about that particular style of medicine uh, the fact that it was uh, you had to go to america to uh, train in this mm-hmm. and that um you know uh, it was not generally perceived as um what shall i say a readily available service in ireland mm. so anyway we got the appointment we both went and um the first thing that she said to you The was, first thing I did was cry. <laughs> of course. Um, the first thing that she said to you was that she um, she was going to focus on the way your body worked, but that she wasn't going to become involved in your emotional health. Really? I don't remember that. And for a very good reason, which she explained, she said she was going to set you up for certain tests yeah, she's going to look at my adrenal functions, my hormones. Yeah. And the big word for me was hormones, right? And she said that there was, um, she would arrange for these tests and all these um, samples or whatever would go off to the UK to some very highly prestigious uh, clinic for analysis. And that um, it would show us exactly what was happening to your body. Mm-hmm. So, so more so show you how my body was functioning because there was nothing wrong with me that you would 
there was like same as like when I found out that I was in celiac there was nothing there was nothing that you could point your finger on and think yeah. this is wrong but it's how your body is performing or lack thereof yeah and what's firing properly in your body and, and what's what's, misfiring. what's exactly what's um in the doldrums mm-hmm. and what's overworking and it's also worth saying that like looking at your body in that way doesn't mean that there isn't something like going on your it's not something mm-hmm. that's purely physically wrong those your t- hormones can go physically awry because of what's going on in your life in your yes. lifestyle or you yeah. know emotionally it's they're one and the same like yeah whereas her she was coming in from the perspective let's just look at what's happening in your body exactly. let's, let's get a clear picture of what's going on yeah. let's map out your entire system yeah and, and then see where we are and then we'll know you know we we'll, yeah. we'll know which direction to go in and she identified with through those tests that i was like off the charts with cortisol which yeah. is the stress hormone yeah you were I've, under your your um cortisol was um which you probably your listeners will know is the one that kind of gets you going in the morning yeah. and fires you up for the day yeah. and that is supposed to ease off in the evening and that's replaced by melatonin melatonin um, and that comes up that, and that, that comes to up settle you down to settle you down for sleep get you prepared for sleep now in your case the opposites were happening there the cortisol was off the charts and the melatonin was very was flagging and well, it was wasn't being able to yeah. yeah it was it was overwhelmed by the cortisol so you were flat out um on high alert because of sleep those two deprived things as well. sleep deprived uh, you know all the the knock-on effects of those and your adrenal glands yeah were not performing properly no they either. were completely over overworked and overworked so your adrenaline was again up there in the richter scale and i had I don't think I'd very much serotonin or anything like that. Yeah, you had none of the really calming stuff, but you had plenty of the highly charged stuff going on. Mm. And the great thing after all that was was mapped out was she put you on a path of adjusting the levels of those things in your bodies Mm -hmm. to calm everything down. Now, at that point, I had great hope for the future because I, I thought, at last, we have some clarity. We know if your body is is overwhelmed with cortisol and adrenaline, you're going to be wired to the moon. Mm-hmm. And then you have a, a catastrophic view of everything. I think at that point, it would have sounded like a fairly simple road out of it by just saying, okay, well, let's just physically bring everything back to balance and yeah. then you should be okay. But for me being in it, I couldn't see yeah. the wood for the trees. Absolutely and, not. And it took a while. It took well, it quite took a, a while. a year, I yeah. think, really. Um, And, you know, because she was talking about things like increasing you know these phytonutrients and broccoli and things and I was just like oh fuck off like I don't and no disrespect to her but I was thinking a plate of broccoli isn't going to make me stop having panic attacks yeah and because I wanted I wanted instant relief I wanted I wanted to just feel better straight away yeah um but what I was missing then was the acceptance part of okay well this makes sense or yeah. it's okay to feel this way because I really just felt like I've lost my mind mm. my family are terrified they're looking at me like I've got two heads they're afraid to leave me by myself my new boyfriend god love him doesn't know what he's got himself into yeah. there was no like role models that I could have said well here's a normal person who looks like me and talks like me and is also has come through the other side yeah. uh, I didn't have any of that yeah. um so I was trying you know and whenever I and I also retreated from my friends completely like I I didn't go on social media I didn't yeah. I didn't see anyone I couldn't physically go anywhere yeah absolutely um, but I but for me um there's nothing like having 
information mm-hmm. about something because up to that we were swirling around clutching at straws you had tried all kinds of alternative things we'd gone down to the midlands to some oh my god remember that like hip was it it was i ra- i remember ringing you i was like in your bed back in because i had moved out of our house so i was back I, I kept going back to our my family home every day because barry would go to work and i couldn't be by myself and i was lying in your bed feeling awful and i was googling things frantically and i found this website for this you know treatment this is what i say all the time it's like that you know i'm sure they're helpful in some ways but when you're in that much of a vulnerable position and you read that this will make your anxiety go away and you latch onto it and mm. i rang you and it was really expensive and i wasn't working i'd quit my job because i wasn't well enough to work and i was begging you please take me to see this person they're mm. going to cure my anxiety mm. and of course you didn't know any better so you were like mm. okay let's go yeah and we went and he you know did well i don't know it was some kind of hypnotherapy with a bit of like vibration yeah, stuff yeah. and i was so of the belief that i'm going to walk out here and my anxiety he's going to cure it mm. and it's going to be gone mm. and whatever whatever we did it was some sort of relaxation thing i came out of it feeling super super relaxed and i was like it's gone it's absolutely gone and then we drove down to dingle yeah. where you now live but you you weren't at the time yeah. but dad was down there right. and i remember just saying to you and dad um it's actually gone and because i was so clueless about it that i thought it was something that had just possessed me for yeah. a while and then was gone mm-hmm. and then i remember going to bed that night and, and this was before we did the functional medicine yeah, yeah yeah it was so this is when we're swirling around in the in the dark trying all these different therapies just to clarify that for people and I went to bed that night and I said um you were like okay so you're feeling okay I said yeah it's fine and then you closed the door and you talked to me and then you closed the door and I just started to think is it gone like am I okay and just slowly but surely a fucking tsunami erupted in me and I was like oh my god it's not gone it's not gone it's not gone Mm -hmm. and that realization of okay one treatment of one you know something vibrating off your temples mm. isn't going to make it all go away yeah. and that frightened me so much that I was like yeah. it's actually not gone and I'm broken you were far, you were actually as a result of that you were so, so much worse I'd say it, the intensity doubled for you well I remember then because then after that while well, I was still down in Dingle with you I had to get dad to sleep in that bedroom and I had to sleep with you yeah because I couldn't right. be by myself yeah. and I remember another time you had to come into me in the shower mm. and I was sitting on the shower and you had to literally physically pull me out of the shower because I just was like, I've given up. Yeah. I've given up hope. Yeah. Um, and I remember that at that moment, that's when we sat down with a pen and paper and said, no, we are going to figure this out. Yeah. And if it wasn't for you having that get up and go and that, you know, if it wasn't for you being that strength for me, I don't think I'd be where I am mm. now because mm-hmm. I needed someone to take ownership of it and mm-hmm. that's why I'm so lucky and grateful that like so many people don't have that person mm-hmm. in their life that can say I'm going to literally carry you through this now because mm-hmm. you didn't you were trying to figure it out as you went along as well yeah and I we should it's worth mentioning again that there was nothing there at the time I and I really would um want to assure people that now you, there are avenues of inquiry for you so much if you're now. going through it um you know people other people like caroline have come out and um been very open about what they went through but prior to that sort of clarity coming into her life it was it was a pretty desperate place and that whole why don't why doesn't she get over it or pick herself sure, up? So what have you pull, got to be anxious just, about? Yeah, exactly. Or pull yourself together. Oh my god, I just cringe when I hear that now. Yeah. But um that that trip to the person down in the Midlands, wherever it was, was a disaster really. It did more damage. It did because it absolutely it 
sucked all the hope out of you. And then when we got when we got to the point where we knew what was happening in your body and you started to work on repairing that, then we were able to look at how, where do we move this now? Yes, yeah, so then we then you you connected me with my acupuncturist Hannah, who yeah. I was probably the first person I went to see who I just felt even though she was only meant to give me acupuncture, she felt like a therapist because she yeah. just said, I know what this is like. I've been there. And that to me was worth its weight in gold was for someone who's functioning in life and thriving as far as I could see to say, I've been there and I've come through. Yeah. And that I suppose is what I hope to be for anyone now is that all I wanted them was to hear from someone who lives to tell the tale. Yeah. And if I can be that person now for anyone, even though they don't necessarily know me personally, mm. that can give them a little bit of hope that they'll come through it. Mm. Um, and so, also you did say there at, at the point of, of going to sit for that therapy session that didn't work out that you were you pinned all your hopes on it being a cure-all yeah that you were literally going to go in as one person come out as another come out as another and as most people know at this stage anxiety is something that you learn to manage yeah um and we learned that slowly over a period of a year, year that was something I wouldn't have wanted to have been told at the time yeah. like I was like no 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 get rid of it cure it I didn't want yeah. to be told you learn to live with it because I said this is not a life I'm not living this is not a yeah this is not a good quality of life um but I didn't realize that I didn't have the awareness that anxiety is something we're all capable of feeling Everybody some of us just feel it more than others yeah. I didn't yeah. realize that it's a, a point it's a case of your stress response misfiring too much when yeah. you when you're under pressure when you're um adrenal glands are overtired mm-hmm. due to different things and when mm-hmm. your prefrontal cortex is, is put under pressure for different things um i didn't have and, and, and like you said earlier like knowledge is power knowledge about all of that would have prevented me from plunging to yeah. the depths that i did plunge to yeah i never ever would have gotten there had yeah. i had i had the understanding that i do now yeah um, and and i i mean i have learned so much from this through your suffering through the the really dark phases of this it was a massive learning area for me. And I think that, um, as I say, nowadays, nobody needs to go through it the way you did. No, I don't think so. I think it can be avoided you know? to that extent. And I think um, to have somebody uh, that you go to see, not just want to tick you off as having been dealt with, but but actually travel with you as you're you're going through this thing, yeah. Um, and help you to to make those little steps. I think that is hugely beneficial. How did you feel all of those times when I kept apologising to you for being a burden on you? Oh God, that's a heartbreaker, isn't it? I mean, nobody wants to hear their their child saying they're sorry for something. You know, like even even if it's a little misdemeanor of some sort, there it's terrible to be a parent and have have your child come and say I'm so sorry but I really did feel like a burden and I felt like a burden on everyone in my life but I think your message to anybody now would be park that thought don't feel you're a burden your mental health is something that you have to nurture and you know comfort and just be very honest about Mm. I think that's a ma- massive message that you give out to people. Do you remember that evening when, again, I was staying over in your house? Because, so for context, I had just moved out um, with, I'd moved in with Barry and then this all happened to me. And it's not because I moved out with Barry. It was just the timing was just awful um, that it seemed like it was something to do with that. But I, I, I never had anything but good feelings about moving in with Barry. And obviously he's my husband now and the father of my baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
I kept going back. I just had to go back to my to the nest. I had to oh, yeah. literally physically get under your wing. I felt like, and I always use this um, this terminology, but I think I was saying to you that I felt like I was like a bird who was always born with like a broken wing or something, yeah. or there's maybe just something a little bit wrong from something went yeah. amiss, and I was always a little bit more delicate and fragile, and I just needed to be cared for a little bit more than most people and, and oh, I felt sorry for that but what may I say may I ask is wrong with that if you know we're all different and some of us find more comfort in that type of, of emotional attachment than maybe some others do but mm. it's not a sign of weakness well I really believed that it was I really yeah. thought I was a very weak I thought I was just always a weak person and now Obviously now I completely have turned that around and I know that yeah. there's a difference between weakness and sensitivity. Absolutely. And I was so hard on myself. Yes, you uh, were. Incredibly hard on myself. And I just remember, I don't think I'll, I don't think either of us will ever forget that night when um, you sat beside me on the bed and I felt like I was a seven-year-old again and I was 25 and there was tears falling out of my mm. eyes and you were trying to soothe me to sleep like a, the way I am doing now with my baby. Yeah. And you were rubbing my cheek because that always comforted me when I was really young and still does. And you were singing the song, the Cindy Lauper song, True oh, Colours. Yeah. And for, for you to say those words, you know, I see your true colours shining through um, and I couldn't see them myself at all. Yeah. And I want for you to say that to me. And I was like, can you really see that I'm still in here? Um, I just, it was just so, I don't know, so emotional that... Well, that song, if whenever I hear it, I actually, my, I well up every single time. I think it's wonderful. How did you feel in that moment? Oh, I, well, I, I, I thought they, they were the most appropriate and truthful words because you were just in this fog of, of um, hopelessness at the time about yourself. You couldn't see a future for yourself. Um, now, I'm not saying at that stage that you felt it was all over for you, but you just, you just were at that really dark, dark point. Um, but anybody who knew you knew that you were made of stronger stuff and it was just a matter of finding it mm. and I think you've proved over and over again that you have a little metal rod going through you somewhere deep inside that <laughs> carried you through and it will always be there but um, no it's 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 a lovely privilege to, to have your child no matter how old they are in my view um, come to look for support from you even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And... Um. What do you say then, to, just to go back to my first question, to someone who looks for that support and doesn't get it? Is there a way of broaching it or do, oh, do you have to get it from a parent? Can you get it elsewhere? No, no, you don't have to. And I mean, not everybody is in the same family situation that you were in. I mean, there's all kinds of different family groupings. And um, I suppose it's 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 from somebody that you consider a soulmate or that a poten- is a potential soulmate someone that you trust trust yeah and somebody who won't judge you mm. um somebody who puts all that leaves all of that outside and says look you know i'm here for you even if i haven't got the answers i'm a sandbar just tell me everything something i was always concerned with was that you would feel like me going through that or me if i were saying to you that i feel broken or i feel weak that you would feel like it was a failure on your part. Did you ever feel that? Um, no. And and what did you when you when you weren't with me in those moments? And you know, maybe you were talking to your friends, or maybe you were talking to dad about what I was going through. Mm. How did you make sense of it? What? How did you make sense of the way that I was and my personality? Um, when we didn't know what was causing all of this, as in the way you. First of all, your your body, the way your body functions, and secondly, the way your emotions function, and the way you deal with situations. Before we knew what that was all about, um, all I could do really was give you the hugs and say, "Listen, we'll find a way through." Much like I remember you telling me about Barry when you mm-hmm. had moved in and things started to um, fall apart for you, and he just took you in his arms and he said, "We'll get through this." He said, we'll, we will figure this out. Yeah, we will figure We'll this get out. through this. Whereas, and that for me was, we weren't together that long. Yeah. But for me, that was, hold on a second. This is someone with strength that I, I yeah. don't even think he's aware of the strength that he has. If he can say, yeah. I'm going to be with you in this, mm. when he could have just run for the hills. Yeah. Um, that was massive. And it was really lovely for, uh, for us to hear that he had that sort of strength of character. Yeah, um, and we we kind of christened him the rock at that stage, and he has <laughs> remained so. Yeah. I so know. as I suppose, um, to answer your question, it it when we didn't know very much about it, all all we could do really was just be there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we did know more about it, it was a question of okay, let let's do this now. Let's let's follow this path and see where it brings us. But then you really took it all up yourself. You know, it wasn't. Um, I was only helpful in that sense to a certain point because you gained the strength then to, to kind of, um, as the phrase goes now, you took ownership of it and you started seeking out answers yourself and then you were you were on a roll then after How that. How did you feel about um, your child needing or deciding to go on medication? You know, I guess there was a massive, yeah. and there still is a massive stigma around that because we would sort of, you know, what we know about medication, especially the word Prozac, which was what I went on, is from movies and, you know, crazy yeah. people on the TV. Did yeah. you 
did you feel like that was did you have to convince yourself that that was the right thing to do or did no, how did you feel I about didn't that because um at the time you started uh, taking medication you really needed it to, to to kind of assist you to get back on an even keel so that you could start dealing with your daily life and benefit from things like yoga or going for a walk or yeah because you the... coupled it you didn't rely on medication no you as can't it wasn't a prop for you it was a means to an end mm-hmm. and look bully for anybody who who wants to investigate that whatever helps I mean that, and it takes courage to start looking for these things and to to look for uh, not remedies exactly, but but um, things that will help you on your way. How did my experience of of anxiety and my struggles with mental health make you think about your mental health and the people who you grew up with, and maybe your friends and your relatives who maybe did you think back and say actually maybe that was what that was? Yes, it did. Um, I it it that sort of information and and knowledge enlightens you as to other people in your life as well and what they may have been going through before we knew anything about anything you know mm-hmm. I mean there would be stories about relations in the past and people who kind of as they used to say they went into a home and they pretty much stayed there because it was like a backwater nobody knew how to deal with these things mm-hmm. and a lot of those people maybe didn't need to be there at no. all or they might have needed a temporary respite but they could have been out there fully functioning people in the whole world, but they were just cast aside because nobody knew what to do. I know. And it, and it again, was a shameful was, thing. Yeah, exactly. It was considered, you know, um, mental health wasn't something that I don't think, think the phrase even existed. And looking back, do, do you feel that, I mean, I don't think you've ever struggled with anxiety to the extent that I did, but did it make you think back to your own life and times when you probably maybe went through anxious phases but certainly tried to push it under the rug because of the social stigma yeah, um i i i didn't uh encounter very extreme situations but but like everybody who breathes the air there are times in your life when there are there are stresses and maybe little hills to climb but um i suppose i just muddled through i uh, and it didn't get to a point where i needed to ask for any help there were there were things I just got on with I suppose but having watched you come through all of this and learn to deal with it um it's made me more conscious of mental health in general mm-hmm. and uh, how we must show it really really high respect and I was always curious you know because your generation and you certainly would have come from an era of don't air your dirty laundry in public and keep it to yourself and always put your best foot forward and I go completely against the grain of that with especially how I share on social media and I for me people think that I'm sharing to comfort other people and that's part of it but also part of me sharing the reality of whatever I'm going through is me looking for to a way to normalize things and for, and for me looking for it to be acceptable and okay in society to feel the way I feel or the way anyone feels and it's all very normal stuff and I know that now yeah but do you had have you struggled and are you now at the point where you're on board with the fact that I do air my dirty laundry in public <laughs> and that's how I cope <laughs> um yeah absolutely on board with it I admire you for your honesty and I've heard people say, not just in um, you know in comments back to you, but I've, people have said it to me that 
it's your honesty just shines through and um I just it's part of you being a brave little mouse <laughs> you always called me a brave little mouse and actually I I think I want to get a little mouse tattooed on me so whenever I feel a wave of vulnerability that I remember that that's Absolutely. what I am yeah. did you ever worry that I wouldn't get through it I I just refused to go there in my own head I said no this, this we're going to get a handle on this Mm-hmm. and she's because I knew you had the strength in you to do it because yeah I could see the way you were you were curious yourself it wasn't you didn't have to be dragged anywhere. I didn't have apathy like I wanted yeah. and I think that's I don't really know very much about depression and I, and I have people always kind of conflate the two anxiety yeah. and depression and I don't like to speak about depression too much because I think they're very different mm. but for me um one of the characteristics of depression might be that apathy and that not wanting to even try whereas I was so desperate not to feel that way and I was so desperate to get back to a point of living my life and that for me that was probably always a burning ember in there somewhere yeah and um even though I, I would profess to know absolutely nothing about the field of mental health but just observing you I I felt in my gut that you were going to conquer this and do you remember a time when you thought that okay I can relax a bit now she is she is coming back to herself well I think you know sort of the holding your breath that things will work out started to kind of lessen over time and um I feel that you've, you've made a really strong point to people about managing the situation rather than as we referred to earlier on finding a cure mm-hmm. that it's it's something that you face you know nose to nose from time to time because life throws stuff at you and um, but I can see you you're you have skills that you engage to get around those situations and to move on and uh, I I never ever thought that you were going to lose that battle mm. because I, I suppose every every parent knows that their, their child has certain strengths and I just knew you you have an innate curiosity you have great zest for life you're a great researcher mm-hmm. you read up on things and well I'm a, I, I have a, a voracious need to solve a problem <laughs> exactly yeah and I think that they're very good skills to have in that situation because you pursued things you found things that suited you you found things that you said nah that really isn't me um and you knew your own mind but the, the great thing about it was you started asking the questions mm. and you took it on yourself then. Mm-hmm. So I know I haven't been, I'm not as involved with you now as I was back in those days in the looking for answers to things. You do all of that yourself now. But you're still the, but first, I learned but you're still the first person I call whenever I need yeah, a space to be, allow myself to be vulnerable. Absolutely. And, um, but you're not looking to me for answers. No. You're sharing yeah. the difference. And I suppose just to ask you about my most recent experience um, at the time of recording this, my baby's five. I can't believe I'm even saying that. I have a baby. God. And he's, Congratulations. <laughs> and he's five weeks old. And I definitely was plunged back into a physical place where my hormones were completely all over the place again, which I had completely underestimated. I didn't expect, didn't anticipate with having a baby like I said to you earlier I, I knew I was pregnant but nobody told me I was gonna have a baby I thought once I got through labor I'd be home and dry and 
literally I wasn't um that I just had this blissful beautiful love bubble and I felt incredibly anxious and I will I have another episode that I will do on postnatal anxiety but for you then for me to be completely freaking out and panicking about this postnatal position I found myself in did had have you were you worried about me now or because you've seen me come through this before you know it's just a matter of settling things down no not a bit worried about you because every first time mother whether they can attach a label to it or identify it goes through the same fire and brimstone that you went through um and i just like everybody you know not everybody but most people you um it's starting to settle for you now mm. and um the hormone surge was all around the you know rearing uh, at least growing a baby inside you and then develop you know letting everything come on and then having a, a the birth and all of that so it's it's all to do with that particular thing so again there's a reason for it mm. and everything is settling down now and you're getting more confident by the day so no I would not have been worried about that at all well I think as always like you can see it when I can't see it and it's so hard for anyone in the thick of anxiety to believe that they'll there'll come a point when they won't feel it that way or that they'll come through it or that you I suppose the main thing is that you're you will get through it and you you have all the um necessary ingredients to do it Mm. um you know it's it's just um, a matter of being reminded that you can do it mm-hmm. and I think you've proved now at this point that you can do it yeah and for any parents of um particularly young girls in their teens or 20s it seems to affect mostly yeah. that that demographic um is there anything that you would say is helpful for how a parent can approach a child who maybe isn't talking to their mom about it or their parent about it you know, how would you have, if I didn't come to you, how would you have a, come to me about it? Or what would you say is a useful way to open up that conversation? Or what do you think is a useful thing to say when maybe you're not the mental health expert, but you want to be that support for someone? I think it's just to um, be watchful, quietly, of um, if, you, if you kind of sense that your child is... Um, experiencing something that is in the same vein as what you went through uh be aware of it keep an eye out even for you know as i said earlier for the smaller children things like the little the dicky tummy and that well just don't just say oh it's just your tummy just remember keep an eye on it uh with teenagers i suppose it's more to do with um look at the lifestyle the like and the emotional what's going on around yeah um and be open. Just. And what about, you know, educating for parents? The parent might be the person who's feeling anxious, but how important is it for the parent to educate themselves on how anxiety comes about in the body, how, like the hormones involve, how it happens? Do you think that's, when? because for me anyway, when I understood that, it made a massive difference. Yeah. And now you have such a great understanding of, you know, you're talking about cortisol, you're talking about all these things that just are so normal to you now. Yeah. Do you think it's important... Th- that anyone who is trying to support someone with anxiety takes the time out to educate themselves. Yeah, and as I said, um, there's so much out there now by way of information. Mm-hmm. So, including your daughter's book. Including, and beautiful podcasts, which are very illuminating. 
um, yeah, just arm yourself with information and be ready. If somebody comes, to, if your child comes to talk to you, or if you open the avenue for, you know, mm-hmm. a teenager to say, you know, I'm not feeling great at the moment or whatever it might be, um, and please don't be judgmental. That's all I can say. Mm. And do you think it's important to share your vulnerability with your child? so that they feel that okay you're not just the perfect person too or do you think it's important that your parents and, or that your children know that you're a tower of strength and will never waver because it's a difficult one it's a very difficult one because um you you want to exude confidence that this can be um managed as mm-hmm. a, you know you could you can manage to take it to a point where the child is more comfortable or mm-hmm. the teenager is more comfortable even if it means you know talking to, to a third party about it um but just um you know just be open be non-judgmental um be a soundbar for the person to come and if they're having a bad day or whatever and keep it keep it small and you know don't get to build up into something that mm-hmm. suddenly becomes massive so make it part of the conversation yeah and and just to, to answer your point about show them your vulnerability i think there's times if 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 the person if the young person is feeling really bad at that time it may not be the time to share your own vulnerability I think maybe that's something you can compare notes with further on when they've maybe maybe gained a few stages on the situation. But I think I agree because you when you earlier said that it was such a huge worry for you, I felt this kick in my stomach that I'm so sorry that I did that to you. God no, I mean it's a parent's job to worry. Well, I know that now. <laughs> I'm worried about a rash on the baby's face. Which is clearing up, by the way. Yeah. But no, no, it's it comes with the territory. There'll always be an underlying. Concern. I just, feel, I, I still always feel like I made it so much hard, no, so much harder for you. But look what I've learned. Mm. When my knowledge has grown hugely by what happened to you. And how do you think it has um, impacted, like our mother-daughter relationship? Do you think it's do you, do you feel in a way glad that I came, I turned to you for that all of that? Of course, yeah, I am glad. Um, I'm glad that we we um we found ways to deal with it, as mm-hmm. in to find out more about things, to rationalize it, make it not feel like you were a weirdo. Yeah, you know because that's what I felt like. Yeah. Um, to just sort of be a little bit of a prop on the road. Yeah, I mean, you physically held me up. You picked me up off the floor physically that day. You sang to me when I needed a lullaby and you mopped my tears. And then you put in place the measures like booking the appointments to things that just would help me start my journey towards owning it and figuring it out. And I wouldn't have had the strength to to do that. Even though I eventually took over the mantle, I wouldn't have had the strength in the first place to do that. So like you did, I, I don't think there's ever, I don't think I'll ever be able to thank you enough for everything you did for me and I don't know if I'd be here without like your love and your strength and everything you did for me and well um I think you you made me be a better person oh mommy did I you did (laughs) if you could go back now to to me when I first started to feel bad knowing everything you know now is there anything that you'd want to say to me or or even me as a kid when I was feeling unwell, is there anything that you would um, like to do over? At those times when you were crying and, you know, feeling very hopeless, um, 
it would have been great to say at that point, you're going to come through this. But With I didn't certainty. Know, yeah, I yeah. didn't know. I really didn't know what we were going to do. I knew we were going to do something mm-hmm. and we weren't going to just let it fester. But it would have been maybe a nice thing to be able to say to you at the time. You know, I, I know a bit more about this than I used to know. And I'm telling you right now, you're going to find your way through. And is that something that you now, having been through the experience with me, could say to the listeners who are in, if they're in that dark place without knowing them, that just knowing the transient nature of things, that if they are willing to open themselves up, open their minds and educate themselves and have the conversations, do you think that you could confidently tell a listener that they also will come through, come out the other side? I, you know, if it's if it's in the general area of anxiety, um, you know, I think, I honestly do think it's very achievable to find a way through. Um, and it's not going to be a straight road because as you found, you, you had to try lots of different things. Yeah, you kind of take one step forward you and know, two steps back. And It's like, you know, people's idea of, um, for example, keeping fit. It might be running for you. It could be tennis for somebody else. It could be a hill walk for somebody else. Like it's it's diverse and everybody what worked for you may not necessarily work for somebody else exactly. but it's it's to know that you can try things out mm-hmm. and not call yourself a failure if they just don't happen to click with you mm-hmm. but be be brave enough to say I deserve better than this mm-hmm. I want to have a good life and this is not going to hold me back are you proud of me? well <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely, I am. Thank you so much, Mammy. I really appreciate that you did this with me. I know you didn't want to, but I plied you with a Merlot. <laughs> very nice. But I've only had a few sips, dear <laughs> listeners. And now you're going to cook me some dinner now that I'm you're here. up here. <laughs> <I'm> here. <laughs> Love you, Mammy. Love you too. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access a full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.